You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Sorcerer, which came out in 1977 and was directed by William Friedkin. In 1971, William Friedkin directed The French Connection. It received five Academy Awards, including Best Picture of the Year. In 1974, he directed The Exorcist. It made history. Since then, Friedkin has spent over two years in five countries on three continents, creating his latest film, an unusual adventure into the realm of suspense. Four men, condemned by their past, robbed of their future, trapped in a life that was also a death. Four men take an incredible chance, face an impossible challenge, and risk the only thing they have left to lose. Roy Scheider, in a new film by William Friedkin. Sorcerer, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. It stars Roy Scheider, Bruno Kramer, Francisco Rabal, and Amadou. The genre would be adventure suspense thriller. This movie is basically two hours of William Friedkin visualizing Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. And it's quite the ride. Four irredeemable criminals from different parts of the world are each on the run and end up in some destitute South American town dominated by an American oil company which routinely puts its workers at risk for profit. We now need experienced truck drivers. Men who are willing to do a dangerous job. This job must be done before we can reopen our gates and bring back full employment to you people. The men who qualify, they will receive exceptional wages. Only experienced truck drivers willing to risk their life can do it. No one else should apply. The company will pay 8,000 pesos to each driver. And these four men are eventually hired by the same company to drive six cases of highly unstable nitroglycerin more than 200 miles through some very treacherous conditions to help blow out an oil fire, which has already killed dozens of local workers. stuff has been sitting the better part of a year. It's worthless. What do you mean? When it sits for a long time without being turned, that liquid nitro seeps out of the sticks and into the bag. If you give those cases any kind of a bump, it'll blow. It's risky moving one of those cases 10 feet. That fire is over 200 miles away. If it were up there, could you use it? I suppose we could boom load it a little bit at a time, yes. How the hell are you going to get it's it It's not your problem. We'll get it up there. And we're off. That's the premise, and that's all you need to know. Friedkin and writer Waylon Green take their time getting there through a series of harrowing scenes setting up this premise, which truly call into question how the hell this film received a PG rating. There is seriously more blood and gore in this film than Friedkin's The Exorcist from four years earlier. Yeah, the 70s were just kind of weird that way. I guess the MPAA ratings board just let that slide at the time, as long as it didn't involve crucifixes. 
but they make it all worthwhile with daring stunt work, many involving the actual actors, crunching sound design, gorgeous but unforgiving locations, and as Rotten Tomatoes states, quote, white knuckle suspense. Roy Scheider leads the international cast, and they all acquit themselves well in sequence after memorable sequence with minimal dialogue. Now, it's 218 miles if this map is right. We're going to leave first. The second truck leaves 15 minutes later. We've got to keep our distance in case one of us blows up. Isn't that sweet? Good luck, Dominguez. Go to hell, Serrano. Now make no mistake, this film is not life-affirming in the slightest, and it might even be a stretch to call it fun at times. Sorcerer apparently had a very troubled backstory with Friedkin pissing off everyone involved during production, including the studio who he took swipes at with the oil company in the movie. They had similar logos. <laughs> it went several million over budget, and it culminated with this very expensive film having the extreme misfortune of opening smack in the wake of the very first Star Wars movie when it was first released in June of 1977. And that brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. The score for this movie was done by Tangerine Dream, who were pretty much musical pioneers, one of our first electronic music bands, if not the first electronic music band. They hailed from Germany and were formed by Edgar Froge in 1967, and they started to make a name for themselves in the 70s, crafting mostly instrumental ambient music. Genuinely innovative stuff that, alongside other techno acts like Kraftwerk, was revolutionizing music. And they did so for almost five decades, until Froge's death in 2015. By this point, they had released more than 100 albums, and had become a brand unto themselves. Part of their brand also became crafting unique scores for movies, featuring heavy synthesizers, just resulting in a moody, otherworldly soundscape for a variety of movies, mostly released during the 1980s, including Miracle Mile, Thief, Legend, and probably their most celebrated score for Risky Business. You could always tell their music apart from most other composers at the time, as it just gave off that unmistakably haunting and or sexy vibe. I just love their sound. And props to Friedkin for hiring them back in the mid-70s to craft what would be their first score for a feature film with Sorcerer. Needless to say, it's one hell of a score. And hell is likely the operative word, as the music throughout definitely elicits the feeling of a slow, terrifying descent into... You guessed it. Throughout the music, there is an unnerving, frenetic beat. While there are electric guitars being used, they generally don't sound like electric guitars, as they are manipulated to sound more like an eerie cry. There's just a constant back and forth between the notes, which is meant to elicit feelings of unease. It's certainly not a conventional soundtrack, but it would end up being quite influential. You can certainly hear the DNA here from much more celebrated synth scores, like for Halloween or Blade Runner, which would come out over the next few years after this. The signature track, which we mostly hear towards the beginning and end of the movie, is fittingly called Betrayal. I'll just let it speak for itself.
The next category is wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. As with previous episodes of commercially underappreciated movies, including Widows, Annihilation, and Bound, the true waste of talent for a top-flight group of individuals in front of and behind the camera was the lack of audience who actually showed up for this movie in theaters. The film cost around $25 million back in 1977, which adjusted for inflation would be around $100 million today, and it made less than half of its budget back. General audiences back in the 70s were seemingly more game for edgier stuff like this, which makes it all the more disappointing that the studio barely released it. And that brings me to the next category, which would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. The last hour of Sorcerer is pretty inspired visual storytelling, and Friedkin demonstrates, if he hadn't already with The Exorcist and French Connection, how he just earned his place alongside his fellow 70s film school brethren like Scorsese or Coppola or Lucas. The spectacle just gets crazier as our protagonists have to maneuver through any number of treacherous obstacles, all the while knowing that their trucks filled with nitroglycerin can barely hit a bump to avoid ignition. They navigate both steep inclines and cramped turns around steep cliffs. They always have to be on the lookout for heavily armed hit squads, and probably most famously have to drive across extremely rickety wooded bridges, barely holding together over rapid river currents. The bridge sequence is indeed impressive, and likely what most folks remember about this movie. It's even often shown in the marketing for this movie. But for me, my personal highlight is actually shortly after they traverse over that collapsing bridge. The rain has now subsided, everything's drying up, and it would seem to be smooth sailing as they are almost out of the forest portion of this journey. And then what should they come upon but a giant tree which has collapsed over their road and is blocking it in at least 20 or 30 feet in every direction. And this tree is huge. It's likely at least 10 feet thick and on top of rock, no less. There's no way they can drive over this thing. So, oh, wait a sec. They do have all that nitroglycerin and they don't really need to transport all of it to this site. So, yep, they decide to use the nitroglycerin. They carefully pour some along a rock immediately underneath the tree, and they devise a pretty clever setup to detonate it. They set up a rock that would dangle over and then smash onto the nitro-soaked portion under the tree, but held up via a string with a very large bag of sand. Then, after all but one of them have gone a safe distance, the remaining one punches a very small hole in this bag, allowing the sand to flow out slowly, so once enough weight is released, down comes the rock and smash. There is no score during this sequence, and very little dialogue too. And when this explosion happens, it's quite impressive. This is a genuinely tense sequence, but it's also very clever. And now the final category, and that would be the MVP, which is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Over the past several years, I have made it a point to explore the filmography of William Friedkin, 
The latest thing I saw of his was the positively batshit domestic crime drama Killer Joe, which came out about 10 years ago, featuring absurd go-for-broke performances from Matthew McConaughey and Gina Gershon. Yeah, there's a scene involving fried chicken, and we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Now, going back five decades to his breakout films, The French Connection and The Exorcist, the brutally effective 80s crime drama To Live and Die in L.A., which is a future episode, by the way, the highly rewatchable Sports Jam Blue Chips, recent episode just did it, and by far his tamest film, which is likely my biggest criticism of it. And along with several others, after seeing all these movies, I can now confidently say that Billy Friedkin is one of my favorite all-time directors. With few exceptions, this guy just puts out absolute bangers, filled with moral complexity, unflinching violence, highly inventive set pieces. I mean, don't forget, this guy pretty much pioneered the modern car chase with the French Connection, and with the cruel hand of fate often playing a crucial part within his stories. The whole concept of a cruel fate that you just can't escape is a huge component of Sorcerer leading all the way to its final shot. Now, I'm not going to spoil it, but let's just say it's liable to piss off anyone who was invested with the story. Now, me personally, I love it, as I do the 120 minutes leading up to it. Many would observe that after the one-two punch failures of both this and the very misguided Cruising, which came out a couple of years later in 1980, the less said about that movie, the better. (laughs) Trust me. Friedkin's career and his overall reputation never quite recovered from both a critical and commercial standpoint, but not from my standpoint. Major props to him for just going for it this time. He succeeded in delivering one of the best pure action-adventure films of its era, or any era for that matter. Friedkin is the MVP. When I arrived in the town, which was near uh, where the river was, the town was called, is called Tuktepec. We all had tents in the jungle, which is where we stayed while we were making the film. I saw... When I first arrived, all these people leaving the village, they were all going out of town and they had suitcases and knapsacks. They were leaving by the hundreds in the small village. And I said uh, to the guy who uh, was welcoming, I said, where are all these people going? Is there some festival or something in town? He said, they're all leaving because the director of The Exorcist is in town. (laughs) That's true. My rating for Sorcerer would be five stars out of five. If you enjoyed Mad Max Fury Road and its overall approach of telling a straightforward story, mainly through action and minimal dialogue, then I would highly recommend Sorcerer to you. And if you're looking to watch Sorcerer, it's available to rent or buy on Prime Video or Apple TV. And that ends another explosive review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.